Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. And this is one of those days infused with a gigantic coffee from Starbucks. I got my water and the guest, we're, we're dressed the same today and, <laughs> and he's got energy too. Um, I don't even know what's going to happen on this, but I, let me introduce you to him. He is the director of business development and a brand ambassador at Ringlead. Brand new position. We're going to talk to him about what he's got planned coming up. He is a sales guru ninja um wise wise young man I, I i don't know what to say we have a guest for all you marketers out there from the dark sales side and and uh, but this, he's a cool version of the sales side that that actually you wants the you know the client to succeed and has that got that passion that we do on the marketing side he's he's often described on on romantic sites as a hopelessly positive sales trainer if that clues you in and uh, super creative, innovation, uh, innovative relationship builder. Totally. We met at a, a conference, a Salesforce event up in New Hampshire, actually. And he is the creator and the visionary and the protagonist of hashtag say what sales. My friend and crazy man, James Buckley. How are you, sir? Hey, what's going on, Case? Thanks a lot for having me. This is really a great one. I've been super excited about it. I know. I mean, we even coordinated. You we're both wearing red. Like, I know. We I was surprised when you got on. I was so excited. Like, oh man, great minds. It's the mind melt. <laughs> it is. It is. It's scary. That's why I'm kind of concerned. I mean, because I got the coffee here, man. So I'm ready to pick up whatever you throw down. So the theme for today, for everyone listening, the theme, if we can even corral these two crazy people in one conversation, is the idea of collaborating, the idea of we need to align marketing with sales and vice versa. We got to work together. This is not, you know, your team, my team. It's the revenue team, right? Yes. We got James on here. He's going to be throwing down. And we're going to be talking about personalization. I met this guy and two minutes later, we're talking about personalization. We went deep on marketing strategy and sales strategy. And I was like, dude, we... We got to get you on the podcast. We got to chat. So, you know, that's the theme. Hashtag say what sales. So, yeah, yeah so I'm here, excited here. about that theme. Here, let me pass you Thor's hammer. Okay. Thank you, Thank you so much. Receive the hammer. And I'll take that and smash some bogus myth you've been hearing about, you know, marketing or sales strategy. Yes. What, what drives you crazy? So lots of things drive me crazy. You know, I feel like Peter sometimes from uh, Family Guy, you know what grinds yeah. my gears? <laughs> <laughs> Let's like, just talk like Peter for the rest of the show. Oh, we totally, well, we could, we could talk like Lois. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so, so I think that there are some major myths between marketing and sales. And one of the biggest myths I think that drives me crazy is that the two are separate departments. In fact, right. This is a myth that I think cripples a lot of companies because the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing and vice versa. So right. it's hard for there to be any type of real engagement with a salesperson because there's no insight into what kind of engagement that their prospect has had with content that's been produ provided to them by marketing. 
You know, it's cool to hear you say that, right? It's cool to hear someone in sales say that because I think I've been saying that on the marketing side for a long time, but you got to get the bind. You got to have people in sales to go, yeah, that's right. We are one team. Otherwise, marketing's like one team and sales is like, whatever. We're going to close our deals, weirdo <laughs> well, marketers. So part of that is because of the mentality that most salespeople have. Most salespeople have a pipeline-driven mentality, and I think uh, that is super key for sales success. The problem that you have when sales teams focus solely on their existing pipeline is that they don't see the, the other pipeline. And I, I think most people think they manage one pipeline, but in fact, we all manage several pipelines. Tell me about that. Different entry points that come from marketing. So in most cases, you talk to salespeople and you say things like, where do your leads come from? And they have a list of great places that leads come from. Well, sure. guess what? All of that comes from marketing. Those leads wouldn't exist if it weren't for marketing, putting stuff out there for people to engage with. So when you look at that, you have to ask yourself, first of all, how does this align with sales? And this depends a lot on how your sales team is structured. So one of the big debates, and I guess another myth kind of, that's sort of mixed into this overall. Yeah, myth, yeah, crush. Is the sales development role really still relevant? Because there's this comfortable handshake between marketing and sales. Well, I say this, it is still relevant. It has to be relevant. And here's why. If you're going to pass from marketing to account executive and skip the discovery process all, all across the board, what you end up with is account executives in mass. Some of these companies have thousands of account executives out there selling, right? And they're spread out all over the world. And they're all jumping on these great demos with people that have no intention of buying. Right. Ooh. No intention of even, even, in, even thinking about buying it. They're just trying to kill a half an hour of their time or they're looking for something very specific and they haven't told you what it is. So you don't even know anything about them while you're out there doing these demos. So maybe you get eight demos a day and you come in on your Tuesday and you're an account executive. And you're like, I'm going to crush today into dust. Yeah. I'm going to kill it. We're going to make so many closed opportunities here. Oh. Yes. And what you end up doing is eight demos with six people. You do eight demos, six yep. of those demos, never had any intention of installing, trying, purchasing, evaluating, piloting. Oh, none, of that, none of that was ever imagined by them. And it's the job of the account executive to make that happen with no context. That's why sales development reps matter. And the pass off between the things that they engaged with that came from marketing into the hands of a sales development rep that can call and do things like thank them for engaging with us, filling out a form that said, I need more information or I'd like to receive information, liking or commenting on a social share. Those are important things for sales reps to start conversations and qualify people before they reach the account executive and waste their time. I feel like that was a lot. <laughs> well, let me break this down because it, it's interesting. And I, and I kind of have this marketing approach to this. Um, you know, I'm more of a Padawan when it came to sales. I mean, I, I've closed some deals in my day, but I'll, I'll come at it from the marketing side. And, you know, and I, I think oftentimes you can pre-qualify people with marketing automation, you know, and I think I, and I, I say pre-qualify, not qualify because. So are you talking about marketing or are you talking about insights? Well, okay, we'll get to that. But what I, what I was saying was like, you know, there's some, there's some, hey, when's your project timeline? Is it immediate? Is it later? And that's where grading and scoring comes from. And you get a little bit of the indication. But I, what I think we, we don't want to do and make that mistake in marketing is thinking that we're 
actually qualifying people. We right. are only pre-qualifying. So we can get rid of people in Sierra Leone. If you don't sell people in Sierra Leone, like you don't even need to talk to them. And we could have like filtered them out from you. And that's nice. But that doesn't mean that everyone we still send over is qualified. And I think hearing you say that, that reminds me, that's where some of the misconceptions come from. We send this thing over and we, and we go, oh, it's qualified in bunny ear air quotes. And sales is like, no, it ain't, right? That's not qualified. And we're missing that actual qualification process in the middle. So some of that has to do with what your qualification process looks like and if yeah. you have a set structure in place. So there's a lot of debate about what types of acronyms you want to use to use your, to qualify people. Some people okay. can't, I think that's a useful one, but on the marketing side, you can only go so far. Like you can find out a little bit about that person's individual role based on their engagement or right. you, might, you might be able to even glean something about their budget or right. the need that they might have just based on what they've engaged with content-wise on your marketing strategy. Right. Oh, this person focuses primarily on return on investment. Well, she's the CFO. Well, that makes total sense, right? So I want to reach out to them in context of that type of engagement. And that's an important piece. That handoff is the teamwork that most companies miss out on. Hmm. Because the sales rep is focused on this other pipeline that they're working. And all the while, they've got this great, hot, engaged lead that's coming into the marketing side. And marketing is like, here's an email. This person just installed this white paper. We've seen them engage with the following links, which means yep. they're probably interested in this great thing. And the sales rep is like, I'm too busy having other conversations. Right. This hot lead and marketing is like but we're on the same team <laughs> right. huh. yeah so it's a breakdown in communication between the departments because they still view themselves as a single entity and that's a big reason why i'm really happy to be on the ring lead team but we can talk about that yeah, part. we're definitely gonna talk about that but, you know but you you really got me thinking here and, and this is not even like pretend right this is not like good morning america oh look the poodle it jumped over you know no like you know it's interesting we call it a marketing qualified lead mql that's like a popular term and we send it over to sales and i'm thinking not really like i, I don't really want to stamp my name onto that maybe i've pre-qualified i'm inventing it right now marketing pre-qualified lead yeah MP mpql yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. what it really should be because absolutely. we shouldn't. And I think you get some disagreements where we go, "Oh, it's marketing." We say it's qualified, and sales is like, "No, it's not." But, but that that wasn't our. We didn't actually qualify. We pre-qualified it. So, tell me more about the qualification process in general, so we absolutely. can learn from that and and understand how maybe we can help pre-qualify, but then not try to take ownership of full qualification. I could see maybe we're discounting that whole discovery qualification process altogether. We are, and that's one of the reasons why we discount the SDR role is because they, yes. SDRs historically have a very strong gift for question asking, comments to be made that drive conversation, um, queries to be made about a specific piece of your process that somebody might be able to improve. Finding a fit for your product or service that's centered on the need that your prospect 
is describing to you in conversation. It's ironic that we've created all these incredible ways to communicate with one another, but we yeah. forgot how to do this part. Yeah, we did. Process, right? Oh, yeah. let's, let's, and I'll give you a great example. Every company has this, right? 700 ways to communicate with each other, and yet we still manage to surprise one another twice a day. How is this possible? It's the same way that we can see somebody engage with 10 different kinds of content on the marketing level, but the salesperson is like, why am I reaching out to this person? Is, it, is this person qualified? Do we right. know anything about this person? Right. right? And the worst yeah. thing marketing says at the time is, oh, they clicked on an email. Right. That doesn't help, right? I need to know right. what they clicked on. I need to know when they clicked on it, how many times they clicked on it. What's my opener here? What was the content like? Yeah, they're is still there, not even qualified per se. They just, they were active. It's the difference between an MQL or an MPQL and an yeah. SQL, somebody that's actually spoken, a sales qualified, qualified lead, somebody lead. that has spoken to this individual and has something of value to contribute to the conversation for the account executive. And the last thing the account executive needs to do is get back on the phone and re-qualify them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the mentality, I think, is that we're two different departments and that's not true. Marketing is a catalyst for sales. It's where it all starts. It's who steers the boat. And sales is an extension of marketing. Our job is to create that piece of communication that exists, that handoff that says, this is for you because, right. and then execute on the because. Huh. Tell me about qualification. What, how, how your sales and I'm, I'm day one in sales here, how, how would you teach me to qualify someone? Because I think it'd be good to know that. So we have a loose description. I, I love BANT, B-A-N-T, budget, authority, need, timeline. But I don't like the straightforwardness of the delivery of BANT. So we have an altered state of BANT. So I might say something that's about their budget, but I'm not going to come right out and say, What's your budget look like for this? How much are you willing right. to give me for my solution? Because then you're just fishing for information. Instead, I want to know about the urgency. If I ask if we have a timeline and there's a deadline, I can already assume that you've got the budget. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a timeline in place. Right. <laughs> right? Sometimes I say things like, is there a procurement department? Now, I learned this from John Barrows. I don't know if your audience is a John Barrows yeah, fan. Yeah, he was on earlier. Yeah. So I am a diehard John Barrows fan. Um, John. And from, from, from a sales guy, too. I, I love his stuff. Yeah. I'm a big fan of both of those mentalities sort of collaborating in my brain and creating this mushroom cloud of weirdness. Wait, that I, who, who's in your brain? You got John on one side? John He's Barrows on one side and Keenan on the other. And they're like, you know, Constant, every time like somebody says something and it jogs that memory, my brain explodes with this like, what would Keenan say in this moment? Or what would John say? Who's, who's Keenan? Who, who's this? Keenan. So Keenan is the author of a book called Gap Selling. I absolutely love this book. I've read it three times. And each time I read it, I get something different out of it that helps with my conversations. Right. He runs a company called A Sales Guy. They do two things. They recruit salespeople and they sell sales training. Um, John Barrows, of course, is John Barrows, uh, but Keenan is the same, the same type of mentality as John Barrows, is that I've got this thing that works really well, and I've developed a system that I feel could change the way that you approach your role as a sales professional, and they right. put this out there. Well, 
I'm a huge fan of both of them and I just consume all of this information and then I just take it and make it my own. So we use Bant, but we use it on a very loose level. And I ask people about procurement instead of asking if this is their decision. I ask people if there are other people that need to be a part of my conversation with them, like your marketing director or like your CRM director, your Salesforce admin, whatever space you might be operating in, I know like uh, the challenger customer tells us, it might've been the challenger sale. I read both of those and they will tell you, those books will tell you that there are 6.3 decision makers at every company. If that's what? then the one person that you're talking to is only a piece of the puzzle. Right. So don't think with this sales, this, this cancerous sales mentality, I'm going to make this call and it's going to result in a sale. I'm That's just the world that we yeah. live in anymore. Right. That's 10 years ago. We could have done that. I remember the nineties. They were fun. Right? <laughs> when you could just make a sale and walk away, that was success. <laughs> we dress kind of funny though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The big hair and the, the weird collars, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pop that collar, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Pulling that thing down. <laughs> so what's the deal though tell me go back to the 6.3 so so by the way challenger sale great book i recommend it to and then there's a follow-on that you mentioned the challenger customer the challenger customer, customer. yeah i've heard that might even be better for marketers to read there's a challenging customer you know listen the best marketers have a sales mentality and the best yeah. sales people have a marketing mentality i, I love I, that i somebody do a quote me so just quote him on that somebody <laughs> out there i love that I have, I have a way of marketing myself so that people gravitate towards me. Listen, in the end, we're all just trying to have conversations with one another. Right. So I preach a universal workflow, right? People don't understand that every single sales funnel looks exactly the same. We complicate it with yeah. all the weird things that we create in our minds, all these expectations and biases and special content that really just plays to our ego. And we'll talk about the sales ego later as well. Ooh. But like every funnel looks the same. There's only six steps. It's not that big. It's not a huge funnel with lots of things. There's only six. Content is the road to connection. That connection should lead to a conversation. If I can have that conversation and build a relationship, some people will call that trust, then I should have no problem asking for an opportunity. And the law of averages says the more opportunities we have, the more sales we make. That's not rocket science. That's a 2,000-year-old human instinct to connect with one another and derive value, whether it be in the form of oral stories or product, doesn't matter. That's an instinct inside wow. of us all. That was six steps. Yeah. So uh, hit me with e each six again. I'm writing them down here. I want to make sure, sure I get it. Sure. Content is the road to connection. Connection should lead to conversation. Okay. That's the first three. I like that. Conversation should lead to a relationship. If I've done a good job at the conversation, right. I should have a nice relationship as a result. Yeah. Some people will call that trust. It's, those are one and the same. Okay. And if, I, if I've done a good job building that trust or relationship, I should have no problem asking for an opportunity or right. creating an opportunity in some cases. Create, see if one exists, right. flush it out. Finding an opportunity, if you will. There's a lot of action words you could probably throw in there that fit, depending okay. on how the conversation goes. Hopefully they're organic and not scripted. Yep. Right? And then from there, the law of averages takes over and says the more opportunities I've created or found, the more sales I make. Right. Think about human nature and where we are as a society. 
then ask yourself if somebody actually is a gifted person speaking to you that can capture your engagement and they call you, not only are you surprised that your phone actually rang because it hasn't rang for the better part of eight years, mm-hmm. but, but also somebody on the other end is actually pretty engaging with me. Right. That's something that stands out in a sea of emails asking you for 15 minutes of your time. Right. Another human. And it's not like fake. And we know what to talk about because marketing has provided us with all this incredible information that you've engaged with. Right. Right. All the information so that you might have a a pre-indication. It's like pre-crime, right? I'm thinking back to that Tom Cruise movie, you know, (laughs) giving you some of the indication that, hey, pre-qualification, a pre-discovery, they, they're interested in the information about what happens when Adobe audits your software. Then, okay, so are, are you being audited right now? No, but you're concerned about it? Why? What happened? Oh, our CEO you know, learned blah, blah, blah. And then now you, okay, now you understand where they're at. It's an initiative. The CEO heard about it. He's concerned, asked you to reach out. Now you got all that stuff, but maybe marketing you found out because they were reading some of the material on that topic. And so you can kind of just flow right into that conversation. Thanks to that content. I like that six, six steps. It's don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. You know, I like that. We put our biases in all of this and that's why funnel gets so convoluted and complicated. We want to add all these things that we think are valuable. They're, ve- they're very valuable, but they're valuable to you, to us, to the marketer, yeah. to the salesperson. You have to make them valuable to your prospects. Right. You have to create that, that value off, that value proposition for them if you want them to also view it as valuable. And in order to lead them down that path, you've got to build that relationship. And there's an argument for the fact that on the face value of a sale, the relationship doesn't matter. And you know what? I agree with that. I think that is absolutely true. If you look at that six-step funnel right there, yeah. you remove relationship, it absolutely works, doesn't it? Here's the problem. It's not sustainable because when you want the renewal or a referral, the relationship uh-huh. is the only thing that matters. Interesting. So you could technically remove that relationship, but that's short-sighted. It's very short-sighted. It's not sustainable. It does not do anything for your retention your churn will still be there. It will not be affected positively in any way if you don't help to build, nurture that relationship. Guess who's responsible for nurturing that relationship in some way? Sales and marketing. Marketing. Marketing Marketing. with their excellent content and their value ads. They're forever sending you articles. They're forever saying, did you know about this in the industry? We wonder why that's important. It's important because a year later, you want the person that's calling on the sales team to renew that contract to be able to say, hey, we hope you've enjoyed our service. I've noticed that you engaged quite a bit with our content. We hope it's been valuable for you. Your renewal is coming up. So I want to connect and make sure you're still a satisfied customer. Right. They have that context thanks to all that amazing marketing that nurtured them through towards the renewal side. There's an element of customer success management there that takes place on the sales side where a relationship is formed, maintained, checked in. Everybody's like happy with it. Hey, it's a quarterly review. Here's your usage perhaps. There's so much value there. But on the whole, marketing is the person that's responsible for targeting them with drip campaigns that constantly provide value, information in the industry that might help them grow, and so on and so forth. I love it, man. What's cool is... 
having this conversation, I'm, I don't feel like I need to defend marketing. I feel like you get it and you understand there's, there's certain different roles on a team. And like yep. you said, we're all in the same. Nobody solos uh, Everest. <laughs> what's that? Nobody solos Everest, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, you may not need oxygen, but you probably need a Sherpa or two to help you set up camp four for sure. You know, I had a question though. Why did you bring up the fact that you could remove relationship? Is that, do people say that? Is that like a, a thing, like a debate in the sales circles? What's that? I've, I've, I've oh, missed that. Flipped out. Yeah, yeah. Um, removing um, relationship. Do, do people push on that or try to, try to do that to churn more people through the system? You know, not usually. In my experience, people have really valued the relationship I've brought to the table. So let me be clear. I'm yes. just an SDR. No matter what my title might say to you, I will always be somebody that is a catalyst for new business. That's my addiction. Right. I love that job. I will live, eat, and breathe that job until I die because it's the most fun job I've ever had in my life. I work very closely with marketing people when we talk about this because that handoff is so important. What the relationship being a debate is because people don't think it's valuable for the initial sale. Right. And again, I, I support that mentality. I don't think it's that valuable on face value either. What I can say is that later, when you want the business to remain in your court, mm -hmm. that relationship is what they make that decision based on. You know, so, even though it has sense. nothing to do with the sale. <laughs> you know, I've bumped into that because, you know, at Cheshire, we, we sell services and we do a lot of work with people who sell software um, either clients or even Salesforce sell software. Um, and so we've seen some really good software sales. And then from some other companies, we've seen software sales. And, I, and I've been chatting with some sales reps lately where they don't feel like it's a fit at some of these companies are at because they want to have that relationship. And they're at a company that says, look, you sold this thing out, you're, you know, move on, right? Sell the thing, skip the relationship you know, close the deal, move on to the next thing. And you're right that those companies suffer from churn. They suffer from, you know, people aren't, aren't renewing and they're not, definitely not upselling. They're definitely not getting people to use the tool. They haven't created that. They haven't done that, that trust work. You know, my opinion has always been that when you, when you have your team segmented out into smaller teams, it becomes easier for people to own their role. Everyone wants upward mobility, right? SDRs, and this is like, this is another big myth, right? The next step. The, so so the, the next step, right? And I think, I think we, we decided on two myths, and I'll, I'll throw this one out there. And then cr crush as many as you'd like, man. I'm going to crush a lot of them on this. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I talk to sales development reps all the time that absolutely love their job, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad to hear you're passionate about sales development. What's the next step for you? And they're like, account executive. And I'm like, why? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah, they just, that's the next thing. Somebody told that person that being an SDR was a step in the right direction, a, a foot in the door, a stepping right. stone. And because of that, they'll never reach their full potential in sales development because they're so focused on what I'm going to be doing next. Interesting. It's a so it, it's, it's not, I've even thought that though. Like, you know, you, you know, entry level folks get thrown into SDR land and then when they prove themselves that they can make enough calls and set yeah. enough appointments, they get moved to account exec. That's what you're saying. That doesn't have to be the case. 
It doesn't. I'll never, I, I've done the account executive thing and I hate it. It's, it's, I, I don't like it. It's not fun for me. It's the same conversation over and over. Okay, we're going to run through the product now and I'm going to go through these icons and run through uh. questions, right? It's the same. But when you're in SDR and you're talking to people about their specific needs, every conversation is different. It takes a special person to be able to be involved in those types of conversations. Right. Because it has to be about them. It has to be effective for them. It has to fit their need. You have to find it first. That's important. Account executives sell products. That's fantastic. The problem is that most account executives are just cashiers. Wow. They're just cashiers. Shots fired. Yeah. No, like, no, no, not shots fired. It's interesting like, though. <laughs> yeah. No, with a really strong SDR team. Right. That, that adaptable on the fly conversation, understanding needs happens with the SDR. I think a lot of times, you know, if you don't have an SDR team, sales has to do all of that. But then to our point here, you're talking to a lot of people who are only pre-qualified, if anything. And a lot of people, you know, six of the eight are never going to do your thing. And you have to go through, you know, the needs discovery and the demo and maybe, so there's efficiency, SDR does it right. But, but if you've got a really strong SDR team, you're right. Sales, you know, AEs become a lot more root, right? They, a lot more, you know, patterned as, as well, much as. I think, I think yeah. that what AEs become are salespeople, sales professionals. Here's the problem is that. When you have an SDR team, especially an SDR team that's large, account executives become very comfortable, very accustomed to being able to hop on a call that came directly from marketing and be like, hey, I got this information. I want to jump on a call. Let's schedule it. Okay. It's a hot lead. So they schedule it. Now yeah. we're going to do the demo. And then I'm going to be like, what's the next step? And they're going to be like, I want 1,100 seats and I want to pay you $250,000. Please send me a quote. Wow. Right? And they're yeah. like, yeah. And then they get a sales development lead and that sales development lead is like, Hey, I worked for three months to get this person interested. We built a relationship. They need X, Y, and Z. And the account executives mentality is all right. Thanks. I'll do my best. Right? Like, why is that different? That's opposite, right? Shouldn't it be the, I mean, someone has a relationship like that, but here's the, here's the breakdown. Here's the rub because account executives are very familiar with hopping on a hot call and making a sale right? Or at least getting close to the close. Oh, it's going to close in the, in the next 60 days. Yeah. But it took me three months just to have a conversation with this other prospect. They know they got to put that work in. Right. Sometimes that's a little less attractive than the existing pipeline of marketing leads that are coming in and ready to do business. Right. Because they don't realize that they too have to build the relationship. They too have to carry that torch. We expect our prospects. Here's another myth, right? Let's just keep knocking them down. Smash them. Another myth is that a prospect's relationship only exists between them and the company. And that is not true. We expect our prospects to build several relationships. So let me tell you how this works. Three months, a sales development rep reaches out to create interest in connecting We don't even talk about our product. We're just wanting to have a conversation. Now they agree to have a conversation. Let's say for the sake of argument, that conversation goes fantastic. Now they're super interested. Took us three months. Now we've built this relationship. You've seen my content. I've called you a few times. We sent some emails. I've, I've bombarded you with collateral. You're ready to take the next step. 
and you think, let's do a demo. Now the account executive is, or the SDR is super excited. And, they, and they're like, hey, I'm so glad you're going to do the demo. Let me introduce you to this complete stranger that you don't know at all. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a problem, right? So yeah. Build a relationship. Now the account okay. executive does the demo, but he does the demo with the muscle memory of somebody that does demos and then says, what's the next step? Push, push, push. Mm. Right? Okay, fine. That person, probably not so receptive to that push. It took me three months to get them to let, to open their arms to me anyway. Right? So you say, how'd the demo go? And now the account executive's like, oh, it went great. They were really excited, super pumped. And they're following up, building a relationship, liking, commenting, sharing, connecting. Everything's going well. Three months, the account executive. Now we're six months in yeah. with this prospect. Three months, they reach out. They finally build the relationship. The person gets back to them and they decide, I'm going to buy this product. So now you've built this relationship with an SDR for three months. You've built a relationship with an account executive. You sign a document and they go, great, how do we get started? And the account executive goes, let me introduce you to this complete stranger <laughs> and you've never met and he's going to take great care of you, I promise, right? Now they have a yeah. CSM. Okay. <laughs> That's the third relationship, right? Now they have a CSM, they do the onboarding, they do the training, they do the pilot group, we're rolling hard, we're gonna go live, we go live. Three months into the go live, they have a problem and they reach out to their CSM who their account executive said would be their first point of contact for everything. And that CSM says, oh, you have a support issue? Let me introduce you to this complete stranger that you have no idea, <laughs> never met. Right. And that's the fourth relationship we expect wow. them. Think about how emotionally taxing your relationships are. Right. We're a year in and this person has four relationships at one company. Now tell me that that prospect's relationship only exists between them and the company. And the company. Yeah, I think that misses sight of the fact that there's people involved and you don't form bonds with companies as much as you form bonds with the people at them. Yeah. That's why personal branding is so important in sales. Interesting. Yeah, because I need people to trust me. So when they Google me and they see Say What Sales everywhere, they go, this guy knows some shit about what I do. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the four relationships or more or two, three, four. Could be anyone. So depends. This, is, this is what's happening now. Is there a way to make that better? It sounds taxing. There is a way to make it better. And that is manage the expectations. Hmm. Tell people about your sales cycle when you're talking to them. Ah. Right? rope your account executive that's going to inherit this account in while you're doing the discovery sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right? Give them early. Hey, this is my picture. Yeah, look. Hey, you know, we got a merry bunch of a merry bunch of people over here. We're going to use them early. We got all these people. We're all going to have a party together and you know, you chat with me and then I still though, I mean, there's a lot of people that love the idea of a single point of contact, you know, versus I guess it's just not always what needs is feasible. You're going to be multiple contacts. So just let people know, but man, I don't want to form a relationship. That is the other thing. You know, do you form a relationship with an SDR person only to build one with the rep? You know, so that depends on the SDR in my experience, because I'm very well versed in business development and processes and human beings in general. I get a lot of people that want to connect with me on business development practices yeah. Because I've provided value to them and not pitched my product, right. that, that moment 
down the line, when I reach out and say, I've got something to show you, or I'd love to tell you more about what I do and how I can help you grow, because I'm already in this place of value in their mind, I don't have to send 16 emails to get a response. I send one and they're like, I'm free Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And then I make that introduction straightforward. Right. Hey, thanks a lot for scheduling that call. What I'm going to do is connect you to my senior VP. Yeah. I'm going to run you through some cool stuff and answer any questions you have. And let's connect next week. I've got some ideas for business development I can share with you. And lo and behold, I actually have some ideas for you that I can share with you and make good on my promise, right? So it's about value, not products. And people forget that. In addition right. to that, it's supposed to be fun. And that's the worst part. People, salespeople are innately miserable when they're not doing well in sales. But when they do well, they're like, I'm the best salesman in the world. <laughs> yeah, right? When it rains, it rains or whatever the phrase is like yeah if it's going well everything's everything's the whole world is sunshiny and everything yeah my oyster <laughs> yeah it just this whole conversation shows me how much we discount sdr it's true story. i think sdr i mean i think you're super sdr i think a lot of people think of sdr as exactly what they've been told this is a stepping stone your robot if we could outsource this to marketing we would if we could you know, how what they get sure told that it's a numbers game. Yeah. Told. When they get, when yeah. they get the leash taken off of them, that's what they're told. You got to make 40 calls a day. You got to make a hundred touches a day. Yeah. You got to hit 15 people on LinkedIn today. And those are just metrics. They don't mean anything. They're not meaningful metrics at all. If they don't convert to conversations, but don't they still have to do that? I mean, I think they should strive for that. But if I can do in 10 calls, what it takes your SDR to do, <laughs> Which one would you rather have? That's true. Burn through 30 people to get the same result as 10 on your list. Right. Take longer. But, yeah. But can, can, can someone just roll into an SDR role or is there a certain, you know, do you need that training in that role as well? My belief is that anybody can be an SDR as long as they have a personality that can be changed. Yeah. And a soul, right? Because you need to actually care. You've got to give a shit. That's yeah. right. That's one of the things that Keenan says all the time, you have to give a shit. And if you don't give a shit, you're not going to do well. Right. By the you way, know? I looked up, I looked up Keenan. He, I was waiting for you to say his first or last name, but he literally goes by one, one name. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a whole story behind that. I'll let him tell you, but you, okay. that's a whole thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You'll be funny is to have both uh, Keenan and Barrows on. Uh, on each, either side of you is like the good, the good angel and the devil on either shoulder, you know? Oh, oh yeah. Well, so it'd be hard to tell which one is which. That's the thing. <laughs> I would say, say, I put John, uh, you know, on the devil side just because he'd enjoy it more. But he, he's been so nice and lovey lately on LinkedIn. I, I can't stand it. Like, stop no, being so, dude, so kind, John. Come on. I learned, I learned so much from John and Morgan. Yeah. Morgan J. Ingram is his buddy uh, and his his colleague and they do such an incredible job putting out fantastic content yeah. for, people, for people to just learn some shit, you know, it's, totally. it's pretty amazing how much stuff you can get out of well done content. And that's that shout out to Lucas Walker who manages John Barrow's content. You know, like some of that stuff is incredible. Just the way that it's written, the way that it grabs attention, the way it changes your perception. Hey, just a quick side note. That's the job of an SDR. Change the perception. Yeah. Create interest enough to make a change. The saddest words in business. We've always done it this way. You know, uh, about a year ago, I, um, 
I managed, if that's the word, I kind of, I kind of did. I managed or I hosted a panel discussion. It was a, I think it was Open View Ventures. It was, you know, is the SDR role? Do you have one? Should there be one? Um, and we had a lot of just sales VPs on there that were saying one way or the other in between. I wish I could have teleported you into that because you, you kind of, I could see why ringlead is like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Come and hang out with us because you absolutely own that in, and you're right. It's not just a stepping stone. It can be a whole um, career and a whole function to itself, you know? So, so, so my, my recent venture has shown me, I've got two guys that this is their last week of training this Friday. I let the leash off of my Rottweilers, as I say. Oh boy. Yeah. So I'm really excited. James Shand and Phil Harmon are my BDRs and I've, I've given them a brain dump of all of my skills and practices. Um, I've given them once overs and ringlead God bless them is taking an incredible, an incredible like mentality on this thing to just say, Hey, we schedule meetings, you know, and that's, that's another, I I guess that's another myth, right? Sales development reps have this mentality, this thing that says, I've got to sell this application. No, you don't. That's not your job. Let the account executives sell the application. You're creating interest so that you're selling the time to take a look at the application. Interesting. You're selling the time to take a look. You're selling the interest. Right. You're finding out what the problem is so that you can fit your product or service to that problem and say, you should take a look at this potential solution for yourself. You know, that makes it so much, I don't say easier, but it makes it doable. You're not trying to get them to buy it. This call, like, look, my job is not to sell you anything. Okay. I just want to see if it's worth your time to take a look at this thing. It has been for other people in your exact industry. And if it's not, I'm not here. Like, I don't want to waste your time. Don't, I, you know, or vice versa. But like, I think this might be, but let's see if it is. And you know, that's it. That's a great, that's a, that's a, that's a great milestone. I can get behind that as a goal and then let sales to your point, they swoop in. You say, okay, it was worth the time to look at this. Now let me see, you know, let me show you that there's a value worth investing in this thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, our, it's our biggest problem as a community of sales development reps that we feel like we have to be the people with all the answers. Well, let me tell you, sales development reps out there that are listening to this and working with strong marketers, it's not your job to sell the application. Hmm. It's not your job to sell the product. Stop it. Not your job. to learn about the problem that your prospect has so that you can sell the time to learn about the solution. Stop trying to sell your product and service. Start creating value and relationships. That is much more valuable than somebody who's jumping on a call so that you'll leave them alone. Right. Man, I just just got another hashtag for you. Nacho job. Right? Nacho job. <laughs> nacho and job. Like, nacho job. Like, no. <laughs> now, now, what would you say in the simplified version, um, what is marketing's job for you then? As marketing's, to- marketing's job is to collect and provide insight into prospects. Okay. So, maybe, so maybe marketing's job is to host a webinar. Hey, we're hosting this webinar on business development or on event management or on Marketo best practices or on duplicate prevention or on lead generation as a, as a whole. We're, sell, we're doing this webinar. 
all the people that register for that webinar should in fact trickle down to salespeople so that salespeople can reach out and say things like, right. thanks for registering or attending the webinar. I'd love to chat sometime about Marketo best practices, lead generation, whatever, right? right. In the gap. And all I want to do is have a conversation. Here's the problem. We live in this world of sales hypocrisy. So let mm. me explain that, right? Yeah. If you're the sales leader, you get pitched the most because everyone wants to save you time. Everyone wants to boost your revenue. Everyone wants to increase growth. Everyone wants to something that has to do with how they're going to help you, right? Interesting. Okay. That's fine, right? Yeah. No problem. Totally great. Let's do it. But then we get on the call and that call sounds the same. James, let me tell you about this change. This change is going to change your change. Yeah. The way that you change, it's about to change. Hashtag ROI. Right. And then we say, we're programmed to say, hey, man, I'm not interested in your change. And then we hang up the phone. Oh, that, you're right. When you're saying change, we're saying. And we go out and we see our whole sales team out there and we go, hey, guys, we have to tell everybody about change. <laughs> That's the hypocrisy of sales leadership today. Yeah. It's a nightmare because. We're just, we're just having the same problem. We're telling people, stop calling me. Take me off your list. Hey, man, don't you have a list of like, like 30 people underneath you that are cold calling and being told by their prospects to take them off the list? <laughs> like, like, well, I don't understand this. Why, why is this a thing? But it's a blockade in our mind, which is why the value is so much more important, which is why the research is so important. And that kind of stuff can only be done by an SDR. But, and and the, the info handed down to them as a, quote, qualified lead means they're qualified to be researched and touched by an SDR, not right. qualified to buy our product. Let's do a demo. <laughs> right. You know, like one of those cartoons, I don't know if it was like the peanuts or whatnot, where the parents start talking and all the kids here are like, wah, 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 wah. Like, oh, you don't yeah. actually, you know, you mentioned the change. You're actually, you're like, it's so, so true because you it's like, Change, 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 change. And it's like, first of all, I hate change. And second of all, I don't have time for your change. I don't want to pay for your change. Whatever, like doing something different than what I'm currently doing is essentially what you're saying. So it's actually not change that you hate. The reason that people say I hate change is because change has always been done to them and not with them. Hmm. Change is actually good. Change brings progress and growth. Anyone that disagrees with that is probably change not is good. Really you're right. Change is good. It, sometimes the process can be hard, but you're saying yeah. that's because I was brought, pulled through it as opposed to willingly jumping in with it. Well, you didn't lead the way for that change. It's funny how change sucks when you're the one that's not leading it, but when you're the one leading the change, you're like all for it, right? That's, that's a this. Yeah. yeah, we need to do this, man. This is real. It's going to be valuable for us. We need to change this. But then they're like, hey, we're going to change this little thing in our CRM and make this field and it's going to be required. And you're like, I don't want to have to fill out another field. I hate you guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. In this uh, January, I decided I was going to only eat salads. Now, how's that going? Uh, it's February now, so we're good. <laughs> but uh, Burgers it is. <laughs> but to your point, I was cool with it right into about, you know, the 27th of the month. And yeah. I was like, this is lame. And this month needs to end. But you know what? It was, a, it was a cool experiment and I was okay with it because it was my idea, right? It was my stupid, awesome idea where I was like, yeah, only salads. But I could imagine someone be like, oh, hey, good morning, Mr. Cheshire. Uh, you're only eating salads for this month. You know, like I'm in jail or something. Like, 
are sorry, you have no control over this. You're only eating salads. I'd be like, no, you're killing me softly. Stop, you know, but you're right. The change, if we're driving it, is good. So you want that relationship, you want that partnership to be able to walk them through it and not pull, push them. That's through. right. I, I think I have the best successes when the relationships I've built are centered on, are you a person that typically embraces change? And that's a discovery question I ask. Who says yes to that? Well, so here's the problem is that if you don't say yes to it, uh, my next response is how long are you planning on being in business? Yeah, I, I know, but it's still, I mean, I guess we, we kind of, I, mean, I even did this just four seconds ago. I, I, I looped in all the painful changes with the, the positive changes. Yeah, but that's okay. This beard is a, I don't know. I don't know which judge is out still, but. <laughs> we'll have to ask your wife how she likes that change. Good <laughs> idea, man. She, she, December, she's like, you ever thought of a beard? I was like, nah. nah. I'll, bet, I'll bet she thinks that change is great. How do you like it? She, she actually is kind of digging it. Uh, I don't know. It's annoying. I, I haven't had to dry my hair on my head for a while, right? <laughs> Just, you got dragged through that change is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I have to. Yeah, it's cool though. It's cool. This is this is cool, man. I you know I, I I've always you know discounted uh, the the ideal of the qualification and discovery in this role. I think everyone does. I think I think you you've got to carry this flag t- to more places because it's definitely necessary. And it I, I could you need to be training SDRs everywhere for sure. <laughs> you know. It's- it's an interesting debate, right? Because people don't think of it this way. And I say it all the time. Your job is not what you think it is. Yeah. You've been told this thing. And because yeah. you've heard it five times, that's what you think now. You know, and that, that, that is everything except what you should be doing. What you should be doing is learning more so that your perception is constantly being altered. And if you're doing that, you can have incredible conversations with people. I never care. I never want to hear about like, all of the you know stuff about my product, like people don't give a shit, man. Stop. They don't. Out to people and starting your conversations off with, "Hi, my name is, and I'm with, and we do." Already, people are like, "Ah, just forget it." Like, I don't, I don't even know you. You haven't yeah. earned the right to tell me any of that, right? And it's a, it's, it's again like one of the one of the many things that I think personalization does to benefit the prospect. Personalization is not to benefit you. That's <laughs> it's to benefit your prospect. That's true. You feel like you give a shit. You took the time to care. You actually, so like, know, yeah, you know them specifically. Personalizing yeah. a message equals inserting a value proposition. Those two things are not the same at all. I'll personalize and leave no value proposition. I'll say things like, what was it like going to school in New Hampshire? I would love to connect on that. I've been there a couple of times. I was there just recently for a Salesforce show. I see you're yes. the Salesforce admin. We should probably talk. That has nothing to do with my product. But that person reads that and there's no links in it. There's no box around my text. Everything is- Call yeah. to action. Yeah, like let's connect. <laughs> What's up with that? I get so many people that are like, yeah, sure, why not? They want to connect with somebody else just like you do. They just don't yeah. want to be sold. Everybody wants to buy things. Nobody wants to be sold things. So true. And you know, it's interesting, you know, as a marketer that likes to dabble in sales and I'm much more of that SDR side of the house. I love discovery. I love that challenger telling people what, what's what way more than the, that, I mean, that kind of makes the other part seem kind of dull. I, mean, I like the, 
you know, learning and listening and connecting with people way more than pushing them through to buy something, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it depends on what you classify a win as, you know, I tell people all the time, like I'd rather have a customer, but we can partner too. There's value there. I love partners. Yeah. You know, there's always this element of like, do you collaborate with others? I too collaborate with others. (laughs) We should collaborate together. Like who's the person that's out there. That's like, no way, man, I've got all the growth I can handle. Right. No way, man. I've squeezed all the money I can out of my team. There's no way that you're going to be able to give me more money. So I'm not interested in how you're going to get me more money. Right. Who's that person? (laughs) Right. Well, I guess, I mean, they're trying to, they're trying to protect their time. And so it makes sense to have the SDR saying your time is valuable. My mission here is not to sell you right now because you don't have time to do that right now. My time is just, my job is just to find out if it's worth your time to have this conversation. And I think that that pays honor to the prospect's time. It does. And, and part of, part of that honor is knowing the difference between no and never talk to me again. Those two things don't mean the same thing, but sales reps all over the world hear the word no and then they go, oh, I'm just going to remove this person from my pipeline. Not right. interesting. Right. There is a difference. You're right. I've used, I, I, and I'm not very, I don't usually say never call me again unless it's unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, but even at the unsubscribe level, if I reached out on a cold call six months after you replied to my email unsubscribed, are you going to know who I am? No. No. And I'm pretty sure I would, I would want to talk to you just from your approach as opposed to, you know, all the other lame salesy approaches, you know, oh, this guy wants to connect. Yeah. I'll connect with people. You never yeah. know. Maybe we can you know, help each other out. Who, who knows? You know, Well, everything should lead back to a conversation. If you're yeah. out there trying to have conversations, you're going to have much more success than if you're out there blasting emails to people, hoping you catch a big fish in your return. Yeah. Spray and pray has been dead for a really long time. People need to understand that it has a very specific purpose. And that purpose is no longer to do sales. The purpose of spray and pray is to disseminate information. Glean, uh-huh. glean the engagement on that information and then take action on that engagement. That is the job of spray and pray now. When it came out six years ago, people were spraying and praying and putting things out there in the name of their SDRs. Those SDRs were then getting responses and fielding those responses. Mm-hmm. Today, spray and pray is really well known and people can spot an automated email before it even hits their inbox. They're like, denied, right? Yep. It's like this element Unless of, I wrote it, in which case they have no idea. But that's wow. okay. Keep going. <laughs> you know, hey, even even if you wrote it, I assure you that you're not at a hundred percent response rate. If you are, no. we should out there. <laughs> pretty, pretty damn close. I'm at 104 percent response rate. Don't ask me how that happens. It just does. <laughs> so yeah, I think that I think that the the handoff there is so important because yeah. marketing people do. Dude, I learn so much from marketing people. Mm-hmm. Like I want to pick those people's brains all the time and be like. Hey, how'd you get this type of interaction? Because that's the shit that SDRs struggle with. Yeah. Vice versa, though. Honestly, the, some of the best marketing I've ever gotten is, yeah, there was this one, you would appreciate this, this one um, on-site we're doing, California software company, and we had marketing in there, we had sales leadership in there, and they did have an SDR function, and somebody invited that guy. Kind of reminds me of you, actually. Um, and... You know, he shows up and he's that guy. And technically, that's low on the totem pole of all yeah. the bodies that are in there. 
He's just the SDR guy. And they had a couple, but he was, I don't know why they brought him, but he, he was cool. So he's in there and we're all talking about like, all right, what are the segments we have for the group? What are the reasons people actually want to connect and engage and whatnot? Nobody knows. I'm sort of facilitating, right? No one is actually sure. I mean, prior to getting there, they were segmenting on title. Like no one even knows. And then SDR guy says, look, you know, I'm always trying to connect with these people. And if I mention one of five things or they mentioned it, or we saw that they looked at the white paper and, and I mentioned one of these five things, they call me back like instantaneous. They will call me. They will always write back if they're having one of these particular events that creates like a, this massive urgency in their, in their life. Um, and you didn't create it, but you, you mention it and that's exactly what's going on right now. And he, and he, he, he shared what those five were. We're like, that's it. Those are our segments based on the need. Like if people come in and they have any one of these five needs, it's a no brainer. We get them content right away. We, you know, we get them to SDR so they can reach out right away and we know they're going to connect right away. Everyone else can go on a nice slow nurture until we discern if there are any one of these five hotspots, in which case they go right over. If he wasn't in that room, we wouldn't have had those triggers. We had no idea. And he, but he was the one that was talking to people, doing the discovery. It's like, that's the source right there, you know? I, I don't think that marketers talk to SDRs enough. And no, we need to hang out more. Do I think they should be Shots. in the same room. Yeah. Yeah, because marketers have a deep understanding of product, see? Oh, same room. That would be sick. That would be sick. I love that. Cool idea. I, marketers have the deepest understanding of the products that SDRs are creating interests around. Yeah. Right. Again, not selling the product, right? But creating interest around it. If that's true, then I need all the vow props that I can get, which brings us to our next, our next point, right? The vow prop and the personalized message. I mentioned it earlier when I was with Cirrus Insight, I was limited to a very niche product. It was Salesforce and inbox integration. That was it. That was the whole. And now that I'm with Ringlead, I have all these different value propositions busting. Oh, out. nice. Hey, do you have duplicate records in Salesforce? Yeah. Most Salesforce companies do. Who right? says no to that? We all do. Uh, right. So call me and let's solve that problem today, right now. Yep. But let me hear how bad it is. Have you done a, an analysis? Do you know how bad the problem is? How big is your database? How much can you afford? Right. This yeah. is, this is important. That's discovery, right? Do you need leads? Great. I've got capture, which will go through LinkedIn and pull all this custom information for you. Firmographic, social media info, phone numbers, email addresses. Like, do you need leads? Let's talk about lead generation. Right. I have, I have data enrichment. Do you have thousands of leads from 2016? Yes. Great. Let's enrich all of those. So yeah. those people can reach out to brand new. Right. Leads. Right. Otherwise, you just so look at all those value propositions that I've got. It's part of a system. How do you prevent duplicate records being put into Salesforce today? Oh, what do you mean? I can't stop people from creating a record. Yes, you can. Let's talk about it. That's important, right? People like yeah, and the the value propositions, the problems that people have vary. How does your solution, your service, fit multiple problems that multiple companies have? And if that's, if you can find that, all you need is conversation. Yeah. You, and what do we know about conversation? Conversation leads to relationships. Relationships lead to opportunities. Opportunities lead to sales. Again, not rocket science. Yeah. Those six, those six steps. That was it. 
Yeah. Half well, of it is the conversation. <laughs> yeah. This has been crazy. I, I think I've learned more from you. Uh, I'm running out of paper. I take notes for every show. Um, I only got one piece front and back, but I'm running out. So who are you? How, <laughs> how did you become this like SDR whisperer? Um, you know, I don't take know. Me back. Take me, take I, me back I, to like little, little James. Oh, so little James was really heavy into the karate kid. Uh, yeah. and, and because of that, my dad and I fell in love with UFC. And if you watched the first UFC, then you watched Hoist Gracie beat Tank Abbott with a broken arm and a broken leg. Um, and when that happened, my dad immediately put me in jujitsu and I did it for most of my youth. I never really, I never really had any, uh, wow. amateur career stuff or anything. Yeah. My, my record at just the amateur, like working in the dojo level was 27 and 11. I did it until I was about 19. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, and as a result, I learned lots of things about people because you come in contact with a lot of people. And when you're in jujitsu, as you know, you've got to get over this initial hump as a white belt of, you know, con contact with other people. And yeah, the, the it really is contact. It's like, not, it's physical. You're like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I go to 6 a.m. classes sometimes still in Maryville just to get out of the house in, in Tennessee where I live. Uh, and it's still something that, you know, what are you going to do this morning? Oh, I got a guy that's going to try to break my arm. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. They call what? Rolling, right? We're going to get on the yeah, floor and roll, roll around yeah. together. Yeah, exactly. So, so I fell in love with food um, and I became, I became a cook. I went to Johnson & Wales for a little while and did some cooking stuff. For 15 years, I worked in the kitchen. Um, I was at the University of Miami in uh, 2000 to 2006, I think, as a network huh. specialist in the, in the XP days. You remember Microsoft XP, right? So I was there for that. Um, I was wait, at wait. You, how'd you get onto Microsoft from cooking? Yeah, so my mom worked for the University of Miami as uh, Donna Shalala, the president's uh, assistant, so to speak. She worked for the office of the provost. So. Okay, yeah. You know, I don't know the hierarchy, but she was pretty yeah. high up at UM for a long time. And she got me this great job at telecommunications. Like, oh, you can do this during the day and then you can cook at night. So I did that. Um, and I couldn't leave the kitchen. Full transparency. I had a little bit of a cocaine problem in Miami. Uh, so I had to make a Well, when in Miami, I mean. Yeah. So I had to make drugs, a choice. Kids. Right? At this point, martial arts was a thing of the past for yeah. me. Cooking was tough for me to let go because the kitchen – you know, I, I could go in there and I could do a bunch of blow. And then I almost died. I, I OD'd almost. I got burned at work pretty bad. Uh, and I went really? to the hospital. And the you almost died? I mean, did yeah. they have to do that, that, that drug that kind of takes you off the... So, no, I got lucky there. What ended up happening was I got burned pretty bad at work. You can see I don't have a lot of hair that grows. Yeah, no, I can't, can't see it in the video, but um, okay. Uh, so, so, so the grease kind of splashed up. Oh, burned now. I thought maybe like the drugs burned you, but you're saying like the. No, no, I got burned in the kitchen, in the kitchen, right? I had, wow. I was on a bunch of blow and I wasn't paying attention and I, I got, I got, I got burned pretty bad at work. Jeez. Uh, so I go to the hospital, right? Burn marks on my chest and everything. No scarring, thank God. Uh, so the doctor comes in. Doctors aren't stupid, right? Big headlight for eyes and he knows <laughs> I'm not feeling any pain. <laughs> yeah. So, so he should like, oh, be, but you're not for some reason. Not, right. No pain. Right. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I got this. I got it. Right. 
so, so he comes in and he, he puts the medicine on and he, you know, he sees my eyes and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Just let me know like when I can leave. And he was like, <laughs> I'm going to do a chest x-ray just to be safe. Okay. He puts the x-ray up on the special light and there was a, an NFL sized football in my chest. It was, it was this big. And he was really? like, see this thing that's pushing on your rib cage right here as a joke. I'm like, yeah, what is that? A tumor? Like lay it on me. I don't care. <laughs> you know? And he's like, that is your heart. And at any moment, it might just rupture, and you would die in about eight seconds. It had gotten large enough to be the size of a, fo- a football? Yeah, man. I was, I was pumping a lot of blow. You know, It was, it was a problem. Yeah, it's that, that, like a side effect, huh? So I left the hospital. Two days later, I had everything that I, that I owned packed up on a Mayflower truck, and I moved to East Tennessee. That was 13 years ago, and I have never touched blow again. Because of that, that – experience in the what like what with your head that you were just like i could die the shit out of me man i I, yeah i mean you know i had a i had a baby at the time oh did you oh wow yeah uh yeah i mean it was a it was a real it was a real fear so i moved to tennessee and i went to college Um, well you you got out of the environment right because like i think people discount just like we've discounted str we discount environment there's a really cool book willpower doesn't work that basically says look your environment's important. You want to lose weight, but you have a jar of M&Ms in front of you, or you know you want to do this other thing, but you your environment will pull you back in. So if you got you, you had that moment, but then you stayed in Miami, you know your environment would be trying to pull you back in. Right, that's right. And you know, I think leaving, I think leaving really changed the trajectory of my life as a hundred percent. You know, I went, I didn't have much to do when I got up here, so I ended up back in college. I got a real degree, writing communications, minor in sociology. And believe it or not, I got started in sales thanks to a Facebook post. <laughs> really? Yeah. Got it. So the web designer for Cirrus Insights name at the time was Alan Brady. Uh, Alan Brady and I knew each other when I was in college. Now, I went to college as a non-traditional student. So I'm 30 years old with four children sitting in classrooms with 19-year-olds. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> oh, man. So, so it's funny. Like Perspective is everything. So we're yeah. in this sociology class because I minored in social. So I like to say that I can write about what you're going to do before you do it based on your yep. past. So, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, so I'm sitting in these sociology classes. We're talking about kids. And this one girl in the process of talking about like ch- child discipline is like, I'm never going to spank my kids. And then everybody immediately turns around and looks at me. <laughs> I'm like, wow, like that's, that's a lot right there. So then they, you know, what do you think? And I said, well, I think you should probably have this conversation the first time that your kid jets out into the parking lot at Walmart. And then we'll talk about how you're not going to spank your kid. Because yeah. I assure you that you will spank your kid in that moment because you'll make damn sure that that never happens again. Parking lots are the most dangerous place. Right. So, because they can't be seen, right? When he's driving, they're too short. Yeah. They run out, bam, dead. Super right? dangerous. Can't right. do that. You absolutely. You, you know, like, oh gotta, you got to send a signal and say, this is not cool. Not cool. For their right? own good. So, you know? so then that became a huge conversation, right? And suddenly I'm a piece of shit because I don't want my kids running out. Oh, no. The, they, didn't, they probably couldn't see it, right? Because they're, they're not there. Because they're 11 years old. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, because they're kids themselves. Sure. So, it's hard for me, right, to sit in these classrooms. But I, I struggled through it. I went to college for five years. I got my degree uh, and I, I didn't know what to do with it. And at the time when I graduated from college, I had all this time and I had all this culinary experience and I was like, I'm going to be a kitchen manager. Well, that was a tough thing because I didn't go to college so that I could become what I already was. I mean, I could have stayed a kitchen manager and just worked through yeah. a little bit more money, but like the idea was to change my life, right? Yes, totally. 
So I did, I changed everything. I went on Facebook and my buddy Alan from college was like, Cirrus Insight, my company that I work for is looking for salespeople. Now I'd had door-to-door residential sales experience, sure. B2B door-to-door experience, in and out of the kitchens. I had done sales jobs just to change it up a little bit. Yeah. I was really good at those, but I never did put anything behind it. I never thought it would come in handy. I always thought you know, it was just something I did on the side. Uh, so that's how I ended up at Cirrus Insight was I responded to that Facebook message and I said, hey, I'm, I'm interested. Let's chat. And then he introduced me to the senior business development manager at the time who I would later replace when he moved to a customer success position. Wow. So that's how so, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just moved on from Cirrus. So this is, I mean, is this all sort of recent or? I've been with Ringlead for, I believe, well, six weeks. Ringlead, six weeks. How long were you at Cirrus? Almost four years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was a kind great, of all comes great. together. And, but what, so all these different pieces, you put them together while you're at Cirrus the, by, right. by learning and seeing and. Yep. That's yep. Cool. Cirrus Insight was uh, and remains my favorite job that I've ever had until now when I get to actually do what I wanted to do, which is train SDRs. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you perfected the craft and then now you're getting a chance to have a bunch of little little mini Buckleys running around yeah. you know, at work. Yeah, they're at home running around, but now you have them at work, you know, but doing it in that way that's caring, discovery, qualification, relationship, yeah. trust, all yeah. that. Exactly. And I, I think it's great. Uh, what's crazy though is I've stepped into Ringlead and Ringlead's data management system highly supports business development and SDR teams because what it does is it manages the incoming data and then because of all the bells and whistles that we can set up, it does things like route that lead that came in to the right person. Yeah. It does things like make sure that the new lead is not a duplicate record. It does things like take all these old records and enrich them so that sales reps can start reaching out and have accurate information. The biggest problem that salespeople have that use Salesforce anyway is that they do things like go to events, right? So you and I know events. We do a lot of events. Hell I did, yeah. I did 78 events for Cirrus Insight in the four years I was there. Jeez. All around the world. I've been around the globe twice with that company. Just an incredible experience. I, I have nothing but positive things to say about Cirrus Insight. If you're a Salesforce user and you need inbox integration, Cirrus Insight is the way to go. Cool. Um, shout out to those guys. It sounds like they really, yeah, you need to be in a place that, that fosters that and you found it, right? You found that it fostered your inner SD. SDR, in your inner business development, and then now you're able to flourish based on that experience. And it sounds like you move now to a place that understands that value. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could imagine they couldn't, you couldn't work at a company that just thought that SDR was like the junior cold callers, right? Unless you could transform them. But if they didn't get it, you would be the wrong fit for that because you bring so much more to that process. I think there is more to the process is the yeah. thing. You know, yeah, shout yeah. out to Morgan J. Ingram as well. I mean, if it weren't for his SDR brain, I don't mm. think I would feel this strongly about my role. Um, you know, I, it, there's so much left on the table when we hire SDRs because we hire them and we say, your job is this thing. And yeah. then that's as simple as they make it. They never go any further than to say, this is my thing and this is what I do. Right. So they get on these calls and they say things like, Hi, when are you free for a quick demo? <laughs> That's the opener. And you're like, demo ever? What? Never. Like, I don't How even about know. never? Yeah, <laughs> stop calling me. 
Oh man, there's like so much more to it. It's like the wrong line. It's like bad pickup lines, bad SDR lines. No, we we oh, haven't man. even talked. We haven't even talked about say what sales and the personal branding aspect. Tell me about say what sales, man. Let's get that in. Yo, man, this it's always crazy because like I started, I started getting more demos than the other SDRs at Cirrus Insight. Yep, was fine. Like I was, you know, our our quota was like uh, like fifteen demos per month, but I was getting like. 25, 27, 36. My record is 54. You know, Dang. that's a lot of demos, right? It's like and hiring three of you to do, <laughs> do it for one. Right. So then I started telling people about it. And then I was like, you know, I could probably just put little videos out on LinkedIn because I was very heavy into Facebook at the time. So my 2017 New Year's resolution was that I was going to use LinkedIn as much, if not as often, as I did Facebook. Nice. And that was the catalyst for Say What Sales because it was where I put my first few hashtag Say What Sales videos. And it started off with just me giving feedback as what I've learned in the SDR role at Serious Insight for my first year or two. You know? So I was just telling people like, hey, you know what works for me? This thing that I say. Hey, you know what works for me? This thing that I do. Hey, you know this? And suddenly people started to gravitate towards me and be like, oh, I tried what you said and it really worked out. I still get messages like that to this day. People go, oh man, I did this and it worked, you know, and I really just want to provide value to the sales community. Well, that was when I stumbled upon people like Morgan Ingram. I wanted to do a show about sales development. Well, then I found the SDR Chronicles and I was like, who's this guy that's got my idea already? And And I was like, screw you, man. You got, you beat me to it, you know? And he turned out he was in Atlanta. So not too far from me in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I ended up, him and I ended up connecting. And at this point, we've done all kinds of stuff together. We talk all the time. Oh, cool. I think we have the same brain. Like SDR brothers. Yeah, man. Like, I just feel like we're very connected and have the same mentality about sales development and, and the passion behind it. Uh, so then I started to do them on Twitter as well. And then I was like, well, you know, I'm already deep in. I probably should start an Instagram account. Before I knew it, I was managing Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter and then I linked Facebook and Twitter. Now it's like every other day I've got a video to put out. And now yeah, I, like, I started, say what sales began right here with me just, you know, putting, putting my camera right here, you know. Uh, and now thanks to Ringlead, they, they love all my videos. Everybody's connected with me. They've followed me for a long time. They're right. a partner of Serious Insight. So like we had a, an existing relationship before. I've met a lot of their guys at shows that I've done. So it was almost like a natural transition for me to go to this company. And lo and behold, they've got Grant Green, who manages all the media, all the, the production, all the videos. And he's like, man, I'd love to do Say What Sales stuff. And I was like, what? That's, that's awesome. Let's do that. You know? So I went up and we did, we did a training. We did a bunch of stuff together. We made some videos. And uh, before I knew it, they were like, so you're on board. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like it's a little happened. little hobby interest that just grew. Yeah, it did very very organically, very uh, almost effortlessly on my part. I I wanted it to be valuable for the sake of being valuable, not for monetary gain. And I will continue to put free content out there so that salespeople realize that we've got to change what is broken in our yeah. system. Yeah, the automation game has a place, but it is not in your prospect relationships. Right. Now, how do people, how do people get connected to this content stream? Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
you can search a lot of the hashtags I use. Uh, so you can search hashtag say what sales. It's all one word. I am uh, on every platform that you can imagine. You can call me direct. I love giving my phone number out publicly. It's 305-632-6005. Uh, you can reach out to me directly via email, jbuckley at ringley. I say it's a good thing I'm not Joe Rogan yet because <laughs> people be calling you right now just to mess with you. I, I would welcome the calls. I, it's you so know, crazy. It's no problem. Yeah, I mean, like I, I've never met a stranger, and it's no, there's nothing wrong with somebody calling me. I, I want you to call me. I, we should talk about your problem in Salesforce and marketing technology. Like, what are you using? How can we make it better? I assure you that there is some value that we can offer one another, whether right. that form of partnership, uh, go to ringlead.com, check it out. It's, you know, let's, let's change the way that we collaborate for the betterment of your prospects. If that's my focus, we should connect. Like that's right. Are, are you saying you've grown big enough? You're not, you're not interested in growth. <laughs> right. No, or, or change the earlier question, you know? Well, I mean, if I have 15,000 people that follow me across social media in general, wow. if I don't have somebody to refer you to that could fix your problem, you know what? I'll give you your money back, I guess. It's like, uh, you know, hey, does anybody know who does Salesforce adoption? 35 people in my network are going to be like, I do. Reach out to me. Like, that's, right. <laughs> that's cool, man. You're like this relationship, you know, discovery connector wizard I like to say that I am a conduit for business intelligence. That's what I like to say. Writing that puppet down. Yeah. Do it smart, not difficult, right? <laughs> That's good. What, what are the, so, okay, so we got your phone number. I was going to say, what are the other places people connect with you, but you can't go much further than, so, okay, so ringlead.com. What are some yeah. links? You know, reach out on any platform. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a personal calendar. I'm happy to send to anybody my calendar so they can get time with me. It all starts with connection. It's funny, like we're all out there trying to grow. Every business in the world is saying, I want to grow. I want to do better than last quarter. And there are thousands of SDRs calling to say, I want to help you grow. And they're like, stop calling me. <laughs> <laughs> How true is that? <laughs> I wish I was growing. And then I want to help you grow. Yeah. Never call me again. <laughs> Take me off your list, right? People every, all over the world are this way, and I'll never understand it. I think it's something that's up here. It's in the mind. Agreed. You know, we're, we're so attuned to saying no, no, no. I'm not saying you should take every cold call. Let's be clear about that. If everybody took every call and responded to every email, no actual work would ever get done. Well, I would like everyone to call you just because. I think they should call me. I would love to five. Yeah, 305-622-6005. Call me. Let's talk data, talk data to me. That's what I'd say. Talk or talk anything, right? Any, I mean, yeah, I'm a talker, dude. If you want a good, healthy conversation, let's talk about it. I talk to people about life problems. I had a guy call me once like, man, my wife is leaving me and I don't know what to do. I'm like super distracted. I can't make sales. And I'm like, bruh, you got to separate from the job and deal with the personal stuff or the yeah. job stuff is never going to fall in line. How much time off do you have? You know, God bless him. He got into therapy with his wife and he, him and I talk all the time now. And, you know, he's, he's always calling me like, man, thank you so much. And everything is good. Wow. Like, that's, man, that's real value. That's shit you can't do without conversation. Right. It reminds me of like Zappos. Apparently the thought was you can call them and ask them for anything. And I think the CEO was at a party one time and they're like, let's test it out. And so he was just listening in yeah. and, and 
and they called and they asked them for a pizza and they ended up having one delivered to the party, but they didn't even know the CEO was there. It was just kind of like, I've sent pizza to offices before. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you can't say no to pizza. I mean, it's pretty good, but no, like for you, you're, you're like the Zappos of, uh, you know, Hey, conversation, it's not just a conversation with ringlead. It's it's with, you know, Mr. Say what sales himself, who, it's not even about the sale. It's about the conversation, you know? It's about the, it's about the, the connection and the value and connection. what you are. I mean, I, I think that there's value in everything that we do as human beings. And the sooner we realize that that value is meant to be shared with the world, the better that value is received. There's always going to be haters. If you got haters, you are doing it right. Keep going, right? Don't worry about that. There's always right. people want you to fail. I have a laundry list of people that hope I fail. People I screwed over way back in the day when I was a terrible person. People that, you know, don't like me for one reason or another. And I'll be honest, you know, my personality is not for everybody. There are lots of people probably that see my stuff and go, this guy's so full of shit. I love your hate. I love your, your jokes. I love the, the banter back and forth. I will always right. thank you for leaving your negative comment on my shit. You have huge <laughs> followings. Your negative comment, make sure that all of your people see my shit. And somebody will reach out to me and go, hey, this person left a shitty comment on your thing and I saw your value and I'd love to connect. That happens to me all the time. Keep, wow. keep, keep bringing me your negative so that I can respond positively. I look forward love it, to man. it. Love it, man. Love it. Well, I got to thank you, and this is great. Well, we're going to have to have you come back on and talk more about LinkedIn and all this other stuff, but like, this has been awesome. Anytime. We've, I've, learned, I've learned a bunch, and like everyone out there, if you've learned like I have, like if you have <laughs> notes out the wazoo, now if you don't want to take notes, we took notes for you. We have show notes, hardcoremarketing.com, but like if you learn something here, share this with someone. Yeah, and and please do call James. Call him right now on his cell phone. Just because I want to see what happens. And um, and and if this is ten years from now, and we've got thirty thousand million people listening, call him as well. Yeah, uh, because I want to see what happens with that too. But this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. I've learned a bunch. Um, yeah. It's my pleasure, man. And I'll end it the same way I end all my videos. Hashtag say what sales. If you're a salesperson, we're the same person. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Thanks again, man. And everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. All right.